Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio, that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. You can uh, go ahead and grab a seat. Let me just pray for us to settle us into this time. Father, thank you for um, what you're already doing and that we, um, as we settle our hearts into who you are and the work you're about, that we can see you. And I just pray that in this time, Lord, we would uh, be ready to be ready to see you afresh and to invite you into our lives um, in, in this time this morning. Uh, we invite you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, well, good morning. Holy cow, there's already so many things like to celebrate, and no one even mentioned the Columbus Crew. Come on, any Columbus Crew fans out there? I tried to get the, the worship team to like, incorporate glory to Columbus in the set, and they thought that was sacrilegious, so that's super disappointing. Um, my name is Josh again, as uh, Joel was introducing me. We're in a, a network of churches that also start churches, and so we're in Sunbury, Ohio, and out kind of the northeast Columbus area. Uh, just moved there this summer, and we are in the process of putting together a launch team to start a church next year. And so uh, it's a lot of fun, a lot of unknowns, um, and we've already connected with people who live in that area, who are part of Three Creeks uh, in our network that want to be part of a work that God has already been up to there. And so we're excited to get uh, started that in the next year. If you want to hear more about it, uh, let's talk offline. You're here uh, to keep going through the series we've been in, right? Uh, we've been talking about the curious case of Jesus Christ, kind of a play off of uh, the curious case of Benjamin Button and looking at uh, Jesus' life in reverse. We started the series looking at uh, post-resurrection Jesus and uh, going backwards through his life leading up to Christmas and the birth of Jesus. And today, uh, we're going to be in, in a part of Jesus' life where uh, he, it's kind of his initiation, Right? This is like his uh, moment entering into adulthood and like who he's going to be for his life. And uh, it's, it's this moment where Jesus is in the wilderness. And uh, all these accounts of Jesus that we're looking at, we're really hoping that they're more than just stories we hear about Jesus. But really what they do is as we consider what he was like and his characteristics, um, for those of us who would claim to follow Jesus or want to follow Jesus, we would look at them and say, how can we imitate him? How can, how can the life of Jesus not just be something I observe, but something that transforms me? And so we're going to look at this moment in the wilderness. Uh, but before we get there, uh, it, it's, this, it's this initiation moment where Jesus has just been baptized. Um, anytime you read an account of the life of Jesus, they're going to mention his baptism. And it's this big moment where uh, it says that, that the, the heavens open up. And basically in the sky, uh, the people who were with him at his baptism saw the Holy Spirit descend on Jesus. And they heard a voice, an, a an actual voice from heaven that said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. It's this incredible moment um, that is kind of hard to believe, to be honest. But every account of the life of Jesus makes a point that this is a special moment. This is a moment where, where God is beginning his ministry, beginning like kind of the purpose of why Jesus was sent here. But right after that baptism moment, he's sent into the wilderness. 
and this is maybe a little uh, bizarre for us in Columbus, uh, what the wilderness was, was what it meant was a place of isolation or a place of desolation. It was a desert, okay? Um, and Jesus, right after this, goes to the wilderness. And I, I don't think it's by any coincidence, and I, I think that there is a lot for us to observe uh, for ourselves today in that. Jesus was going to this literal place called the wilderness, but often I've found that this terminology often makes us think about times in our lives where we are in a wilderness, where we think about times where we felt lost, where we've been looking for direction, where we feel incredibly alone in our lives, and we're kind of unsure where to head or what our next step should be. And I think we've all been there. Um, I, I think that definition of, of a wilderness being a place of isolation or desolation or a desert um, is very uh, fair to describe that kind of experience for us. Because honestly, if we are going through a wilderness, it's something we probably want to avoid. We, we don't enter there on purpose. Uh, you may even try to describe what a season of life is like for you. I actually put together kind of a, a list of words that I think you could pick some of those out of there to describe how you feel. It's like a wilderness feelings wheel for all of my like Enneagram fours out there who uh, want to like try to put terminology to this and put language to what does it feel like to walk through a wilderness. You might feel isolated, alone, deserted, abandoned, neglected, forgotten, desolated, ruined, hopeless, uncertain, confused, lost, depleted, drained, weary, empty, or maybe something else. The wilderness is lonely. It feels, it feels like... God's not there. Where, where are you, God? It feels like a punishment. It feels more like a curse than a blessing that we're in that space. It, it honestly feels like abandonment, where we might say things like, God, if, if you loved me, or I, I thought you were loving, why am I here? And so today, all, all I want to do is I want us to look at this moment with Jesus when he, he's in the wilderness, and I want to give us four lessons we can take home for ourselves. And so we're going to read this. It's in Luke 4, verses 1 through 13, if you want to turn there on your phone or if you brought a Bible today. But we'll also have it on the screen so we can follow along. This is, again, right after Jesus' baptism. And in verse 1 it says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. And he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. And Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. And then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. And then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. And the devil said, because they are mine uh, to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you would worship me. And Jesus said, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil has finished uh, tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. The most important thing 
for us to know about uh, the wilderness for Jesus and the wilderness for ourselves is right in that first verse. It says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led by God into the wilderness. And the reason that this is the most important thing to set it up is that I, the, first, the first lesson that we can take away from this is that God does not abandon us in the wilderness. For, for all the ways that that season of life may feel for us, what it may feel like, the, the great lie of the, of the wilderness is, is that God's abandoned you, that he's not there. It's a, it's a place you've been sent to be rejected by God. It's, it's a place you've been sent for punishment. And it, it often feels that way. Whatever uh, language you, you pick from the, the feelings wheel to assign to that for you, yourself personally, the God question comes up, and it's where is God in all of this? It, it's a place that we would rather avoid, and it's, it's important that we recognize Jesus wasn't lost there. He didn't accidentally wander off into the wilderness and, oh no, look at the mess I got myself into. He wasn't forgotten or neglected or ruined. The wilderness was exactly where his father wanted him to be. It's not a place where God abandons you. What is interesting about the wilderness is it is often a place where we abandon God. It's often a place where life becomes too difficult for us to maintain our view of God, to, to see him for who he really is. Life squeezes the faith out of us and we're left with very little. Many people come to these places in their life and cannot find a way to see or even believe that God is with them. And, and they end up throwing in the towel. They're done. I, I don't know if you've been there or, or been on the, on the edge of that where you're not sure how this is going to shake out and it's, it's completely affecting what you thought you knew about God, who you thought you were. But when we see that God has led Jesus to this place. We have to see it in completely different terms. It could be that we're actually looking at the wilderness and thinking about it in the wrong way. It feels uncomfortable, but this is what's true about the wilderness. The second lesson uh, comes in what it says about Jesus' time leading up to that. It says, he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at all uh, during that time, and he became very hungry. It, it's an uncomfortable time. It's, it's a long time. He's there for 40 days. He's fasting. Uh, this is a purposeful decision. Uh, I think in many ways we, we can talk about that. But uh, the point that we're supposed to see is that the wilderness is isolating on purpose. All right, it's, it's uncomfortable uh, to, to walk into that space, but this is something that, that has great intent behind it. We have to get be, beyond the uncomfortable feelings and see that there's a reason God brings us to this point. And, and one of the things that, that makes us miss the, the point or, or the purpose of walking through these times is because we want to get through it as quick as possible. <laughs> we, we want these feelings to be gone. We want the, the, these struggles and these circumstances to be over and to be changed. And it's difficult to embrace the purpose of the wilderness because of the extended nature of it. It says, Jesus was tempted for 40 days. It's a long time. Uh, there's no days off, right? When you fast for 40 days straight, 
it gets harder every day. <laughs> and I, I know that when I, as a pastor, encounter people in, in these seasons where, where maybe they would use this language, I feel like I'm in a wilderness, I feel like I'm in a dry season, I feel like life is really difficult right now, and, and they come to me as a pastor, uh, what they're hoping for is that maybe I have the answer for the reason why, and I don't. <laughs> but even more so as we talk about it longer, they want to know how long it's going to be. Um, you know, I can't tell a person if they're on day one or day 40. And that's incredibly difficult because that, that seems to be like what we want to know. If we, if we could know what, what the end, uh, what the finish line is, then maybe this would make it all easier. We, we just want to be through it. What I, what I found I can help with when people are in a season of wilderness is not being able to put a time frame on it or even give them the underlying why. Only God can do that. What I do feel we can do is make sense of the wilderness. We, we can understand God's heart in that space. Why would God purposefully lead you to a place of isolation? What happens in isolation is we begin to need God in new ways. Ways that we would have never considered depending on him or seeking him or really even seeing him. For example, right, um, the busyness of life ends up drowning out the voice of God. You've probably run full speed this week. And um, th there's a reason we gather into this room and we all, we all look toward uh, th this moment of like, who is God? We're going to sing songs about him. We're going to remind him in the ways that he is at work. We're going to, we're going to try to draw out what God's already been up to. We're going to look at his word and re remember how to map his story onto our story. The reason we would isolate ourselves after a full week of busyness and, and come to church is because we're trying to, to refocus on him. That's a part of what the wilderness does. It's just the season of God simplifying and, and purifying a lot of what clutters our life so that he can say, you need to hear me in a new way. There's a way that the mundaneness of life and the busyness of life and the, and the chaos of life has been uh, cluttering my ability to speak to your heart. And so I'm going to bring you here on purpose so you can hear me again. Our prayers change in the wilderness. The way we talk to God changes. We become so much more humble. It's more than just uh, blessing our food and, and, you know, pray that we travel safe. There's something we need him for, that we, we don't know how we're going to get through the day without him. We're hungry, and we look to him to be the only one who can meet that. We become way less self-sufficient. We become more desperate. And so God knows that sometimes the only way for him to reconnect with you is to lead you to this place, this place of isolation where you would never go on your own, but he knows you will be able to hear him and rest in him in the ways that he is wanting and inviting you to. Here's the third thing we see. It says, this is just one of, one of the times the devil tempts him. It says, the devil says, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. This is a big one we're going to sit on for a minute. But the third lesson of the wilderness is that it exposes what we really believe about God. The wilderness exposes what we really believe about God. It says that Jesus was tempted by Satan specifically three times in three ways. It could have been more, but these three are mentioned for us. And uh, we, we only mentioned the one there. 
And what a temptation is, is it's really, another word for it is a test, right? A test is meant to just reveal what's already there. Um, we, kind of in our uh, Western academic framework, we think of a test as something like, I don't know anything that's on it, so I have to go study for it so I can actually pass the test. That's not what a test is meant to be. A test is meant to reveal what's already there. It's not something that you, you prepped up for and then just to get a passing grade. It's like, what's already in you? Let's expose and reveal what's already true about you. There, there's no studying for the wilderness test. You just like are in it and you're like, oh crap. <laughs> I, have, I like have to be ready now. What, what's actually in here, what, what's actually my true self is starting to, to come to the surface. There's no way for me to mask it on social media. There's no way for me to spin it. It's just there. Our, our true self is exposed in the wilderness. Who, who we are and what we actually believed is revealed in that space. If your relationship with God is hokey, the wilderness will call your bluff. It, it will reveal the true nature of where you're really at. The devil tempts Jesus with these things. He tempts him to make bread. He tempts him by saying, this is what you really need. Why would God be holding out on you? He, he tempts him to rescue himself. Let's see if God's really there for you. Let's put God to the test. Let's, let's reveal the true nature of God. Let's force his hand. Let's speed this up. Let's get to the point. He, he tempts him to question the heart of his father. Why would he make you go through this? If he is a loving father, why would he bring you here? We can go into the wilderness with all sorts of questions, but there's only one that matters to Jesus. And that question is, is God good? Is he still trustworthy in this space? In, in this place where I feel like everything is broken, there's not enough, it doesn't make sense, can God satisfy what I want most? Does he truly care about me? Is he good? And if we answer that question by saying, I'm not sure he is, we end up beginning to find uh, our th how to do things our own way because we don't trust him. We actually see this um, in the first pages of the Bible in Genesis 3, a really fun thing to do this week that I'm not going to take time to do this morning is to literally compare these 13 verses in Genesis 3, the first pages of the Bible, next to these 13 verses in Luke 4. They, there are so many parallels to where uh, what happens with Adam and Eve and in this uh, beginning of the world account of them trying to wrestle through if they trust God and believe in his provision for them. Jesus, you map that onto the story of Jesus in the wilderness and it's nearly the same. You see that they have the same enemy, that Satan shows up in the garden to tempt Adam and Eve in the same way that Satan shows up in the wilderness to tempt Jesus. You see that there's a same tactic that he uses to doubt God. In, in the garden, the way that Satan speaks to Adam and Eve is, did God really say? Did God really say this, that you, you can't eat from the tree? In the wilderness, what he says to Jesus is, if you are the son of God. He, br he brings God's character into question and his motive. It, it's a, the same weapon that he's using. It's just an idea. An idea that if, if believed and sought out long enough will take root and destroy that, that heart of um, trusting the Father. 
what, what, what Satan says in the garden is he says, you will certainly not die. What if what God said isn't true? And what if he's holding out on you? You won't die. You'll become like God. What Satan does with Jesus in the wilderness is he, he tempts him with these things like it'll be all yours. These, all the kingdoms of the world are mine. I'm actually the one who has my hands in all this. He tempts him with an idea. And then it's the same offer to get the right thing in the wrong way. In Genesis, that's for this, this food that, that was pleasing to the eye, uh, desirable for gaining wisdom. They would have everything they needed to do life on their own. And then for Jesus, it's to turn the stone into bread or to somehow obtain all these kingdoms by worshiping Satan to test if God would actually guard Jesus if harm came his way. All this to say, Jesus is doing way more than just fighting a bully on the playground, okay? He, he is combating the core problem of all humanity, that there, was, there is a force out there that we identify as Satan, the devil, who is opposed to you knowing the heart of God. And, and the reason that Genesis 3 and Luke 4 connect so closely is because Jesus is making a way for you to have new life. We, we map ourselves onto the story of Adam and Eve and we're like, yeah, we all doubt God. We all look for our own way to do things. But what's, what's amazing about Jesus is he still held on to the goodness of God in the middle of a wilderness. I, I get tempted to think in that space that if, if I wasn't in a wilderness where everything in my life's just going so horribly wrong, and if my circumstances were, were just better and I could handle it, then I would be able to trust God with my life and follow. If my, if my circumstances were just a little bit better, if it wasn't so hard, then I would trust God. And what Jesus shows about the wilderness is none of that matters. It doesn't matter because Adam and Eve were literally in a garden of perfection with everything they would ever need and, and they walked with God and they still chose to doubt him. And Jesus in this place of the wilderness, we, he has nothing. He's been fasting for 40 days. He's being fed lies every day in this relentless assault from the devil. He says, none of that is necessary because I can still trust the heart of God. It wouldn't matter if your circumstances were different. It wouldn't matter if it just, the cards fell a little differently. Jesus is saying that it doesn't matter whether you're in the garden or the wilderness. God is still good. And despite being in the wilderness, Jesus is able to come through it with God. And that's why it's such a big deal that, that Jesus is actually trusting the Father with his life. He, he's truly human. He's making a, a new way for us to find God again. We get a do-over. He's pushing back against evil itself, the, the things that have pulled us far away from God since the beginning. And in that garden moment where our trajectory began to wander away from God, he's bringing us back because our hearts are still longing for that, for meaning and significance, for, for joy and beauty, and satisfaction, and for peace. These things we talk about at Christmas, like we're, we're going to get there if we can just get to Christmas and have that moment underneath the tree. It'll all be right for about three minutes, and then all the presents will have been unwrapped, and your eight-year-old will be like, this isn't what I wanted, and then you'll realize there's not enough batteries, 
and it'll be, your fragile little garden moment will be ruined. How does Jesus come through the wilderness? How does he actually stand as a person who comes through that space? What, what we realize is that the temptation in those moments where we doubt God is to try to live life independently from him. And what Jesus did purposefully is he said, I'm going to depend more on him. I think that's why it's significant that he fasted for 40 days. Jesus isn't on a diet. He's disciplining himself spiritually to trust the Father in ways that he never has needed to up to this point in his life. And so as a disciple of Jesus, if you're wondering, how do I map his life onto mine? He would invite you to depend on the Father the way he did. To remember that Satan isn't going to combat you physically. He's going to do it with an idea. He's he's going to come at you with an assumption about God and yourself and the world that you're in. And the only way to combat an idea is to do what Jesus did and simply stand in what is true about the Father. The last thing about the wilderness is actually a verse we didn't read. If you continued on into verse 14, after the wilderness, it says that Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power and reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. Here's what's fascinating about the wilderness for Jesus. I wrote down that God leads us into the wilderness to prepare us for what's next. He leads us into the wilderness to prepare us for what's next. You you see Jesus, this incredibly difficult moment, he walks through that more strengthened for what God was calling him to do. He gets right to it. And, And what God has been preparing him for takes effect right away. All of a sudden, he's just back in it. And, and there's things that as we go through that time where it feels like drudgery and, and it's, it's hopeless and it's never going to be any different. And all of a sudden, there comes a time where it clicks. And, and you start to feel through it. We don't often know what's going on in the middle of it. We don't have clarity about what we're being prepared for, usually until the very end or once we're, we're through it. I remember when me and my wife were uh, considering church planning. Uh, It's really exciting right now. There's a lot of new. There's a lot of uh, things that we can see God piecing together. But there was a very long time of wilderness that led up to that. And we don't talk about it often, uh, nor do we need to. But you just need to know um, we understand that's often the way God works. It's not always good thing after good thing after good thing after good thing. There are long seasons of waiting on God. I remember we actually sought out uh, some counseling in that time. We, we both felt like we wanted to go to counseling together, really just for some discernment of what God was up to in our life. And we emailed a trusted friend um, and kind of just wrote this desperate email of like, would you help us? Would you kind of just be a little bit of a guide for us in this time? And the first time we sat down with her, I remember just kind of spilling our guts about what we, you know, probably like that wilderness feelings wheel of what we were experiencing and how, we, how confused we were. And we didn't know why we were in this space. 
And I'll never forget her counsel and the way she said, yeah, I, I don't know why you're experiencing that, but I'm very certain that God's preparing you for something. And we didn't know what it was at that time. And I, I wanted her to tell me, I'm like, what is it? Do you know? And she's like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, why am I here? <laughs> why am I like paying you for counseling? And what it was, was it was more important that we learned how to hear the voice of God in that space so that when what he was preparing us for became evident, we knew what he sounded like. We, we knew who he was. We, we came through that time with a greater trust in the heart of the Father than just being relieved from whatever uncomfortable feelings we were experiencing at the time. We actually see this in James 1. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, you should consider it an opportunity for great joy. That sounds weird. <laughs> for you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. It's a good thing. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be mature and complete, needing nothing. The wilderness is not a place of punishment where God has sent you to be abandoned. It is a place for your growth and for your preparation and for your wholeness. I'm going to assume that each of us have found ourselves in, in a wilderness at some point, and maybe you're there today, and you're wondering what to do about it or what God says about it. And I, I think the hope for any person in that space is that we need to believe that God wants to meet us there. He's, he's very much in the mess. He's very much in the isolation and, and in the desolation and, and the uncomfortableness of the wilderness. God wants to meet you there. And we know that because Jesus goes there because he's sent by God. He enters into that space that is so often familiar to us or, or so difficult for us to go to. And it's so relatable for us to go through. And God knows it. And so he meets us there. He sends Jesus into the wilderness because he's coming after you, because he loves you. And what we take hope in is that when we go through seasons of wilderness, Jesus is already there. He endured a life of constant demand and weariness to rescue us. He endured an undeserved and brutal death so that we might find life through his death. He rose again to new life because he's not finished Death is not the end. He will restore. He's working now. He, he's not going to abandon us. And, and the good news is that Jesus endured this life that we all go through. He went through the same stuff, if not worse. He, he endured wilderness. He endured persecution and, and the cross and death for us. And he didn't do it just so we might meet him one day. He did it so you would meet with him right now. And many of us, if we feel like we're in a wilderness, you need to know that's okay. It's okay to be in that space for a minute. I know it doesn't feel okay, and unfortunately I can't tell you when it will be over. No one on this side of eternity can. If you're on day one or day 40, or somewhere in between. But the fact is, 
God is in that space. You, you may have times of your life where it feels more like a wilderness than a garden. I don't say that to discourage you, but just to normalize it, that you can find God in that space. He wants to show up. That we shouldn't wait until we're through the season of life to meet with him. And that's not pastor guilt. It's not church guilt. Like, make sure you do all the stuff. That's an invitation from God himself right now and every day forward. The wilderness can be a time where, where you come back to God or maybe for the first time you come to him. He, he's brought you here for a reason and it's not to abandon you. It's to meet you there. It's to, it's to prepare you for something. And, and he wants to show up. I'm going to invite the band out and pray for us. Father, we often don't know how to make sense of life. We're, we're in the middle of this Christmas season where there, where there is anticipation and hope and excitement. Um, and we know that a lot of it can be buzzed. But there's also something more there, God, where we, we believe you're up to something and we want to find you. And I just pray that if there's those of us who are in these, these day-after-day seasons of wilderness, God, that we would find a way to meet you there, that you're not hard to find, you haven't abandoned us, but that we would begin to hear you. Help us settle into the place you've brought us to so that we can find you in it. I pray that you would do amazing things through us as we seek you, that you would humble us, and your goodness would shine through our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com. Thank you.